Today's lesson is from Isaiah chapter 7. Again the Holy One spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Holy One, your God, from the deep of Sheol or the height of what lies above. Yet Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not test the Holy One. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, house of David, is it not enough that you exhaust mortals, that you must exhaust my God also? Therefore, the selfsame creator will give you a sign. See, the young woman is pregnant, and she shall give birth to a son, and she shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Word of God, word of life. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter. Now this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah happened. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to have a child in her womb from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a just man and unwilling to shame her. He wanted to divorce her secretly. But when he deliberated this, Suddenly, an angel of the Most High God appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for in her is conceived a child from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this happened to fulfill what had been spoken by the Most High God through the prophet. Look now. The virgin shall conceive a child in her womb and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleep, he did as the angel the Most High God commanded him. He took her as his wife, yet did not know her sexually until her birthing of a son and named him Jesus. Word of God, word of life. So I am obsessed with learning about the universe. One of my favorite things to do as part of my nighttime routine as I get ready for bed is to turn on an episode of one of the many documentaries about space, whether it is Carl Sagan's Cosmos or Neil deGrasse Tyson's or the shows The Planets or How the Universe Works. There's something about the vastness of space, an ever-expanding universe that speeds up as it expands, the way dark matter and dark energy are keeper of cosmic secrets that even our best and farthest-reaching telescopes cannot detect directly. There's something about all of this that fascinates me beyond measure. I love learning about for instance, the cosmic background radiation, basically the entire universe is full of this radiation, a heat signature that is a remainder of the Big Bang. So no matter where you point your microwave radiation detecting telescope in the sky, it will always, always pick up on radiation out there that is not coming from a specific source. Instead, that radiation is the remnants of the very birth of our universe as it exploded from a cosmic womb. 
the singularity at first, breaking the laws of physics because they did not even exist yet as it expanded faster than the speed of light before gravity and the laws of the universe caught up and started to give the universe shape and life. As the first stars ignited out of utter blackness, illuminating the clouds of dust. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's just one week away from Christmas Day, and it's just a few days shy of the winter's solstice, the longest night of the year. And all I can think about this morning is space, the cosmic beyond. So please indulge me for a moment as I share some of my favorite facts about space. There is a point to this, I promise. <laughs> I did not just hijack the sermon time to give y'all a lecture on cosmology, as fun as that would be for me and probably no one else. Anyway, so the JW Space Telescope, the largest and most accurate telescope ever in existence, has only been in operation for six months, and it has already revealed a few things about the universe. My favorite thing that it has revealed is that both supermassive black holes and galaxies formed much earlier than scientists previously thought. This means that Einstein's law of general relativity, E equals mc squared, which has perfectly predicted the way the universe works up until now, has, it has recently been found that the earliest few thousand years of the universe's existence the JW Space Telescope has begun to uncover that maybe Einstein's law of general relativity doesn't actually work to describe the origin of the universe. And if that is the case, as more and more data from the JW Space Telescope comes in, we learn that there is more and more about the universe that we just simply do not know. Another fun fact, well, fun for me. The largest star in the universe, uh, in the known universe, recently discovered is Stevenson 218. It is so large that the radius is larger than the orbit of Saturn. It will likely be short-lived as it is so massive that it explodes and bursts the solar wind, thousands of solar masses of matter every second. My final space fact I want to share before I get into the readings for today is that when the universe expanded into existence, it started with pretty much only two elements, hydrogen and helium, the smallest two elements. Hydrogen and helium collected into the universe's first stars, giant stars that were so dense with these elements that they fused the elements into heavier elements. As these stars died, they left behind the elements that we see all around us, carbon, oxygen, iron, potassium, slowly filling out a periodic table of elements. In time, gravity did its work over billions of years, and these remnants of the universe's earliest stars started to form solar systems. Our own solar system formed about 4.5 billion years ago, about 10 billion years after the Big Bang. And everything we see on this planet, every touch, every taste, every breath, is all made up entirely of stardust from these massive early stars. So that brings me, finally, to today's reading. 2,000 years ago, a man named Joseph heard through the grapevine that his young fiancée Mary was pregnant. In that first century, it is much less likely that Mary's pregnancy was by her fooling around or having an affair. If a young woman ended up pregnant before marriage in that time, it would overwhelmingly most likely have been because she was sexually assaulted. 
Joseph knew this, but he felt it necessary to break off the engagement so as not to bring him any public shame or publicly call attention to Mary's unexpected pregnancy. While Mary might have avoided public shame in this scenario, she still would have been a single mother in a world where her family would likely have rejected her, and she would have likely had to live on the streets with her child, or had her family continued to welcome her, she would have been entirely dependent on them. But she likely would never have been able to get married, and her child likely would never have been seen as anything other than a fatherless child. Just as Joseph drifted off to sleep that night after he made these decisions, an angel of the Most High appeared to him and told him that this unborn child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We hear Mary's side of the story in the Gospel of Luke. But in this Gospel, the angel told him not to break off the engagement with Mary, but to marry her. And then the angel tells us this fascinating piece of information. The angel quotes the prophet Isaiah saying, Look now, the virgin shall conceive a child in her womb and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Joseph wakes up from the dream and does as the angel commanded him. What's in a name? Shakespeare asks in Romeo and Juliet. Well, in this name, Emmanuel, actually quite a bit. One of the stunning parts about the Bible from beginning to end is how deeply present, how firmly embedded the God of Israel is in human history. In the beginning, we hear that God walked in the garden among the first people. Out of Egypt, God led the people as a visible pillar of fire by night and smoke by day. When wandering in the wilderness before finding a permanent home, God instructed the Israelites to make a portable tent, the tabernacle, to follow them wherever they go. And God promised to be present and dwell in the tabernacle, to live among the migratory people. When they settled in Jerusalem and the surrounding region, God promised to live in the temple built on the mountain of Zion. When the Israelites and Judeans were under threat from opposing nations bent on destroying the city and God's chosen people, the Most High spoke to King Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah and said, this promise, this young woman that you see over here in this very room, she's pregnant. By the time she gives birth to this son, she's going to name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us, and the two opposing nations will be deserted. Your enemies will be gone. Because God is with us on our side, you do not have to fear. About 700 years later, the prophecy took on new meaning when the gospel writer Matthew applied it to Mary and Joseph. And suddenly, the measure of God's abiding presence of Emmanuel, God with us, took on yet another meaning. You see, Emmanuel is a name which is a promise. Applied to this unborn child who is to be the Messiah, God's chosen one, is not just a promise that God will dwell with us and be on our side. It is the promise that God will become one of us. That God who created the entire cosmos is choosing to be made up of the same stardust of those first exploding stars that we are. Emmanuel, God with us. The same God who brought the universe forth out of a singularity and breathes breath into it, causing life to grow and the universe to expand faster and faster. That same God knit herself to the human experience, becoming one of us. 
The cosmic background radiation is everywhere we look. And so, too, is God. The cosmic background of a love so vibrant and deep that it fills the universe until overflowing. This love was gathered up into one human child, born of Mary. The fullness of God, the overflowing love, the creator of the stars so large that our own sun would be but a speck of dust next to them, the builder of a universe so vast that we cannot even see its boundaries, chose this time and this place to be born, to enter into a world to be entwined in human history, built up of stardust the same matter as us, breathed the same air, felt the same feelings of cold, warmth, hunger, loss, illness, and experienced death on the cross. That is the promise of that name. In our hurt, in our suffering, in our longing, in our brokenness, in our emptiness, God is there. God is with us. God has taken all of that into herself. This final week of Advent, as we count down the days until Christmas with the Advent calendar, sit alongside our children or grandchildren as they gleefully eye the growing pile of pleasants under the tree, as we experience cold and snow, as the nights grow dark so early, and as we look up and catch the stars at night, remember this. Remember that the background of cosmic love is so expansive, so deep that it permeates everything, that it cannot be escaped, and that all that expansive love, that deep love, for only a brief moment in the history of the universe was born into this very world. Let that cosmic love radiate from you. You are a child of stardust, a child of the Most High, kindred to the infant whose name is a promise Emmanuel, God with us, today and every day, in every space, breath, tear, God is here. God is with us. Amen.